You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Review Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm Gus Edwards and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Reviews Podcast. On this week's episode we'll be looking at Beach Blast 1992. This show was requested by one of our listeners, Kevin in Liverpool, England. Thanks for the request Kevin, I hope you enjoy the show. If you have a particular show you would like to have reviewed, get in touch with myself either via Twitter at RetroWrestling4 or email me at RetroReviews at Hotmail.com. If you're new to the show, then welcome to the community. On Tuesdays, we review a show requested by one of our listeners, and on Sunday, we review Mid-Atlantic Wrestling from 1981. We're close to having Mid-South and then World Class reviews joining the show too. If you enjoyed today's show, then please subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. Let's get on with the show. Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff opened the show, and you could see Bischoff's teeth from miles away as they're so white. All the announcers today are wearing beachwear shirts, including Bischoff in a horrible Hawaiian shirt. Bill Watts comes out and he's interviewed regarding the show, but he doesn't really say much, and Tony throws it to the commentators at ringside, Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura. Ventura is up on the beach stage lying on a deck chair surrounded by four women. He tries to get up and he ends up falling. Not the smoothest of starts for him. The first match is Scotty Flamingo versus Flying Brian Pillman for the light heavyweight title. Flamingo is of course Raven. This Flamingo gimmick actually ends up working as a callback in his Raven gimmick when he's in WCW and it turns out that Raven grew up as a rich kid and Flamingo's gimmick is of course a spoiled rich kid. Pillman's coming off a run with Jushin Liger where they tore the house down for months, including the match of the year candidate earlier in 1992 at Super Brawl. This is of course the Bill Watts era, so the light heavyweights still just wrestle in normal style, compared to the high-flying cruiserweight style that would come to WCW in a few years' time. Of course, the light heavyweights are also handcuffed by the stupid no-moves-off-the-top-rope rule that Watts brought in. This is a decent yet unspectacular match. It goes past 15 minutes. The match does start picking up uh, towards the end. Pullman misses a flying clothesline out onto the ramp. Flamingo then hits a knee off the second rope to the back of the head for the win and he's a new light heavyweight champion. Pretty decent match. Probably could have cut 5-7 to seven minutes from it and it would have been better. Next up is the first of three rounds of the bikini contest between Missy Hyatt and Medusa. Ventura's angry that Johnny B. Bad is the MC for the contest and not him. Jesse with the inappropriate comments of, I don't even think this guy likes girls. Things that you could get away with in 1992, but not really in 2021. The first round is the evening gown portion. Missy Hyatt comes out first in her dress, followed by Medusa, who for some reason is in a wedding dress. The crowd obviously cheer for the babyface Missy over Medusa, obviously. Back to the ring, and it's Ron Simmons versus the tailor-made man, Terry Taylor. And Bill Alfonso's the referee. Simmons still has the Doom theme tune, which is awesome. Taylor comes out with a tuxedo. This is a showcase match for Simmons, as he's only about six weeks away from winning the world title from Vader. 
Title change that actually happened on my 13th birthday. Simmons gets a win with a great snap power slam. He's interviewed after the match by Jim Ross at ringside. Um, doesn't say that much, just that he's going to be he's wanting to win the world title. The next match is Marcus Bagwell versus Greg Valentine. This is pure white meat babyface Bagwell. He's not buff yet. Greg Valentine in a major promotion in 1992 should not be a thing. When I was watching WCW at this point as a kid, I was a huge fan of Bagwell. Loved his team with Two Cold Scorpio, which I think starts probably at the end of this year, early next year. Parts of the crowd are cheering Valentine over Bagwell. There's not much happening in this match, so I end up looking at the crowd in the front row here must have an average age of over 70. Such an old crowd. Valentine takes most of the match and then he works over the knee of Bagwell and he puts on the figure four leg lock for the clean submission win. Nothing like putting over a new young star. Next is one of the better matches on the show. But it's probably the, the match this show is most famous for and it's Sting versus Cactus Jack in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Sting's a WCW champion at this point but this is non-title. It's... Just a completely different match to anything you'll see in this era. McFoley in his book claimed this was his favourite match until he had the match with Shawn Michaels in 1996. Sting comes up to a huge reaction and they start the match on the ramp. Straight away the big bump starts as Cactus takes a big backdrop onto the ramp. Cactus then hits an elbow drop off the apron to the concrete, followed by a neck breaker and a sunset flip from the apron. They go into the crowd and Jack takes a backdrop and a suplex onto concrete. They do a little bit of mat work in the ring but that doesn't last long and they go back outside and Sting gives Cactus a back suplex onto the concrete. Cactus is doing everything to put over Sting here. Cactus then goes up to the second rope on the outside and he drops an elbow which misses Sting. They're back fighting on the ramp and Sting nails Cactus with a great clothesline. Then he goes up to the top rope and he hits a clothesline from there to the ramp and gets a win. Just a brilliant match and Foley took some crazy bumps. He would have been really sore after this match. Following on for this from this match is Ricky Steamboat and Rick Rude in a 30 minute Iron Man match. This is a great match. The psychology and the storytelling is just spot on. I've spoken before about how big of a fan I am of Ricky Steamboat. And if you watch this match, you'll know exactly why. His selling is masterful and his offence is executed perfectly. Rude is a US champion, but they haven't announced that this is a title match. I don't think there's a wrestler anywhere in 1992 that had as much heel heat as Rick Rude had. Steamboat comes out with his wife and kid, still doing that family man gimmick. Steamboat starts off quick and he injures Rude's ribs with a gut buster and that gives the story to the early part of the match. The Rude-Steamboat feud is one of my favourite feuds of all time. It felt so intense at this point and it was great just based on two guys who really want to prove that they were the better man. This is a perfect type of match for JR to call. He's really adding to the psychology here. Steamboat is working over the ribs with a bow and arrow and then a Boston Crab. Rude selling the beating great here too. There's an upset in the first fall though as Rude catches Steamboat running into the corner with a big knee and he gets a quick pin. That was Rude's first offensive move after about 8 minutes. Rude then hits a Rude awakening right afterwards and he goes 2-0 up. 
Rude then comes off the top rope with a knee drop, which is an automatic DQ, and that makes it 2-1 to Rude. But of course, Steamboat is in bigger trouble. Rude then hits a small package for the pin and goes 3-1 up with 20 minutes left. Excellent little bit of storytelling there by Rude. With 12 minutes left, Steamboat reverses a tombstone pile driver by Rude into one of his own to make it 3-2. And with 10 minutes left, Steamboat gets Rude in a backslide for the three count to make it 3-all. This match is just back and forth between both guys and they're working so hard here. They spend most of the last five minutes working a sleeper hold, but they manage to keep the crowd in it. With 30 seconds left, Steamboat climbs the ropes while in the sleeper, kicks back and he pins Rude to go 4-3 up. For the last 30 seconds, Rude tries everything to get the equalising pin but fails. This is such a great match. It's one I never hear people bringing up when they talk about great matches. It's got to be up there with one of the most underrated matches of all time. I have to admit, I'm watching this show for probably the first time in 20 years. I've seen... Sting and Foley or Sting and Cactus Jack a couple of times separately but I've never, I've probably only watched this show once fully way through and I've even forgot about how good this match is but it's definitely a great great match. Back to the bikini contest and it's a swimsuit round Medusa's up first coming up with a bit of a biker chick look Missy then comes up next and she's not wearing that much and considering that the next round is a bikini round, I dread to think how little she's going to be wearing. Six-man tag team match up next. It's the Dangerous Alliance, who are Bob Eaton, who sadly just passed away, Arn Anderson and Steve Austin. And their opponents are Nikita Koloff, Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes. Ole Anderson's in here as the referee. He's a special troubleshooting referee for WCW now. Ole, despite being 11 years older than he is on the Mid-Atlantic shows we're watching at the moment, doesn't look like he's aged a bit, but granted he's always looked like he's 50 year old. Nikita is probably the smallest I've ever seen him. He's nowhere near the peak size that he was probably in like 1985-1986. There's a lot of talent in this match, but it's not really the best of matches. One interesting spot is Wyndham gives Austin a Japanese arm drag off the second rope. I've never seen that before or, or since. Despite the talent, it's just not very good. There's no blown spots or anything like that. It's just never got going. It goes nearly 20 minutes and then we get a horrible finish. Wyndham hits a superplex on Austin, but then Arn comes off the top rope onto Wyndham and is caught by Ole for the DQ. Flat match and just a horrible finish. Ricky Steamboat is out and he's getting interviewed by Eric Bischoff. Polly dangerously comes out and he yells at Steamboat saying he'll never get another US title shot. Steamboat's then attacked by Cactus Jack from behind and they brawl to the back. Jesse Ventura's taken over the host in the bikini contest with Bad. Time for the bikini round. Medusa comes out first with a red, white and blue bikini and white chaps on. Yep, she looks amazing. Missy doesn't come out, she's saying from the back that somebody stole her bikini. Missy comes up wearing a bikini made out of Jesse's scarves. To be honest, she was wearing less in the previous round. Johnny B. Bad announces Missy as the winner of the contest. Medusa's not happy, so she chases Bad to the back. Bad then comes back with her bikini top, so Jesse heads to the back to check her out. We then go to the main event of the show. 
which is for the World Tag Team Championships. It's Dr. Death Steve Williams and Terry Bam Bam Gordy against the champions Rick and Scott Steiner. You don't need me to tell you again that the Steiners are my favourite tag team of all time. This was a strange way to end the show though as the match goes a 30 minute time limit draw. Doc and Gordy took 95% of this match and Scott didn't get the hot tag until less than a minute left in the match. It was a unique match, it's definitely got the Bill Watts influence in the mat based wrestling. The crowd weren't into it though, they were here to see a much more hard hitting style of the usual Steiners match. The end of the match was hot as Scott hit the Frankensteiner on Gordy just as the time limit expired. Not too sure of this booking though, especially when one of the feature belts on the show was a 30 minute Ironman match. Overall it was a good show, just a weak finish with the time limit draw in the main event. Sting and Cactus Jack had a great brawl. The match between Scotty Flamingo and Brian Pillman to start the show was fun. And the Ironman challenge between Rude and Steamboat was top quality. Can't believe the lack of love that match gets over the years. I hope you've enjoyed the show this week. Next week we'll be looking at Wrestle War 1989. Even more Ricky Steamboat as he faces Ric Flair for the NWA World Title. This coming Sunday we'll be reviewing Mid Atlantic Wrestling from 28th of November 1981. So remember to check those shows out. Until then, remember to subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. Take care of yourself, and I'll speak to you again soon.